What is a cowboy? It's not about hats and horses. Cowboy is about courage, honesty, respect, integrity, strength, and truth. And when you put those things together, it spells Christ. And that's what being a true cowboy is all about, riding for the Lord. My name's Kevin Weatherby, and I want to be the first to welcome you to Save the Cowboy. You just sit back, grab you a cup of coffee, and get ready to learn how to ride with the Lord. All right, if you've got your Bibles, turn with me to Acts chapter 13. Acts chapter 13. As I said earlier, we have been in a three-week series talking about what is Save the Cowboy. But I turned that around, and, and I know that whenever y'all tell people about what we're doing here, everybody always asks, what is Save the Cowboy? But I think that we need to turn that around and ask another question, answer that question with another question, because it's not what is Save the Cowboy. It's who is Save the Cowboy. I've outlined two things so far. We use the great Western Monty Walsh as a as a basis. In that movie, Monty rides up to some guys that have rustled cattle and they, they go through there and they say, you know what, Monty, that cowboy way of life is dead. A bunch of bankers from back east in Chicago. <laughs> A bunch of bankers back east, they own those cattle. The, the, the Slash Y doesn't even own those cattle. And he said, even if I was starving, I wouldn't rustle cattle. And he said, that way of life is dead, Monty. And he said, it's not dead. As long as there's one cowboy taking care of one cow. We've used this as a basis for who is Save the Cowboy. In our first deal, we talked about the Good Samaritan and whenever the, he goes and he helps the guy that has been beat down. And a real religious guy said, well, who is our neighbor? He wanted to classify so he could leave the unwanteds out. And Jesus, once again, just like we did, Jesus turned, or better yet, we did like Jesus did. He turns the question around and he says, it's not who is your neighbor, it's who is the neighbor? What we're trying to do, there's nothing more cowboy than being a neighbor. And we don't get to pick and choose who our neighbors are because it's not about who is our neighbor, it's about us being a neighbor. Two weeks ago at Chuck's Barn, we talked about the second one. As long as there's one cowboy, we are going to go where others won't. We're going to ride harder. We're going to go further. We're going to go through the thickest brush, whatever we have to do to take the gospel, not to the saved, but to the lost. And we're going to do it in a way that removes all excuses. Because our desire is that people come to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Because He is the only way. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. It is God in human form. Sacrificed Himself for us. And we're going to take that good news to the furthest reaches of God's green pastures. And then today, I'm going to turn that down just a little bit. And then today, we're going to talk about the third and final. As long as there's one. Y'all heard me talk about the, the San Pedro Ranch down in South Texas. Uh, I'll never forget whenever I went down there. I went with uh, an ex-uncle of mine that used to be married to my aunt, got me the job, and he kind of took me down there and introduced me to everybody. I walked onto this beautiful South Texas ranch. You can probably picture it in your mind. Walked up to this 
this big stucco bunkhouse and all the cowboys, there was, there was uh, four of them. There was Baltimore, Zeferino, Tomas, and Antonio. Antonio was the one that I worked with. I've told y'all many stories about him, but the time that I met Antonio was just amazing because I was the only one that would be living on the ranch that spoke English. And so Mike was there, and he used to be the manager of that ranch uh, long before, and so Mike was fluent in Spanish, and so he walks up, and, and he starts talking to him and everything, and Antonio's kind of just a little bit kind of stove up. And so Mike asks him in Spanish, he said, Antonio, you know, what's the matter? He's, and, and he said, uh, it, it, you, you just have to do this. I, I wish that, uh, that I could do it in Spanish, but you use it or you lose it. So I will do my best to uh, portray what Antonio said. He said, oh, Mikey, he said, I had a really bad problem. And he said, what was your problem? And he turned around and he lifts up his shirt and he literally, there is a scab that started at the base of his belt and ran to the nape of his neck. He said, I was riding this young colt and it ran away with me and run me underneath this big mesquite tree and he took all the hide off my back. And I mean, it did. It was a solid scab. There was no skin on his deal. And I'm like, okay, I may not be tough enough for this outfit. <laughs> and I said, I looked at Mike and I said, man, Mike, that man is double tough. And he said, and so he relays that to Antonio and he said, no, I'm not that tough. I had to take the rest of the day off. I was like, oh my gosh. And Mike said, if you think that's tough, you ain't seen nothing yet. One time Antonio was on this colt and they were in the pen. And, you know, in that ranch, in the middle of all the water lots was water. And it had one of those concrete troughs that were like, you know, 20 feet long and about that deep that all the cattle could get around and everything. Well, they were in there and they were finishing up. And Antonio's horse goes to bucking with him and it's bucking beside that trough. And he gets past it, and he's trying to pull him up. And he finally pulls him up, and the horse comes over on top of him, on to that deal. And of course, the horse flounders like this. Antonio's underneath him, pinned halfway in the trough and halfway out of the trough. And by this time, Baltimore... And Baltimore, has anybody ever seen the remake called Return to Gunsmoke that was made about 15 years ago? If you ever watch Return to Gunsmoke... Whenever there's a close-up of an Indian, that is Baltimore Boone. He was the ranch manager down there. He had hair down to here. He looked just like an Apache Indian. They didn't have to do any makeup or anything. They put him in several different costumes and headdresses because he looked so much like an Indian, but it's Baltimore. You can see everybody in costumes riding, but anytime there's a, a close-up, that's Baltimore. And so Baltimore was sitting there, and so Baltimore chimes in on this, on this story, and he goes, Oh, man, he said... I remember I watched the horse fall over on Antonio, and Antonio's just laying there, and he's underneath the water. And he bailed off the deal, and I went, and I grabbed him, and I pulled him out, and I said, Antonio's dead. And then, and, 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 uh, one, Tomas comes over there, and Tomas is like, oh, 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 like that. And he said, and all of a sudden, Antonio opens up his eyes, and he says, no, Baltimore, I'm not dead. <laughs> I'm standing there like, I'm going back to the truck. And I mean, I'm standing there, and I'm just looking. And he said, that was a pretty bad one, man. He said, I stayed in bed for a whole day. I'm like, I would have been dead. Seriously. 
and everything. And I'm looking, and I know, you know, I was young and my eyes are about this big around. I'm like, you want me to work here? And I looked at Mike and I said, he is a man. And Mike looked at him and he said, un hombre, like that. And Antonio looks at me and he goes, see. Sí. <laughs> <laughs> but that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about what is a man as long as there is one neighbor. And that's what God has called us to be. He's called us to be neighbors, not to pick and choose who we help, but to help anybody. Not just those that we can relate to. How about the ones that we cannot absolutely relate to? It doesn't matter how dirty, how sinful. We are told to help people and tell them the good news. As long as there's one cowboy, I would like to find a cowboy with a fly swatter to come get this pterodactyl of a fly that's getting me. Just tried to fly up my nose. As long as there's one cowboy willing to ride to the farthest reaches of God's green pastures to bring the good news to the lost and hurting, not shake a feed sack at a set of church doors and say, if y'all want to hear about God, you got to come in here. No, God has called us to go out into all the world. As a matter of fact, if you look at that in the Greek, it says, while you are going, in your everyday lives, spread the gospel. But He's also called us to be men. Disclaimer time. Disclaimer time. I get bloodied all the time for saying men and cowboys this, cowboys that. I am not excluding y'all ladies. I am not excluding cowgirls. You are implied because if I am absolutely fine with being part of the bride of Christ, you can be Glad to be a part of mankind, okay? I'm just saying that. Thank you, God. That went over a lot better than I thought it would. <laughs> Welcome to Save the Cowboy. Today we're going to look at what it means to be a real man. Looking at four men that God chose, not at random, but because they were men that found God's favor. Men that God used. How did they find favor in God's eyes? What made them so special? They must have never made a mistake, right? Oh, far from it. The first man that we're going to look at is a man called Noah. Noah is the second father of all of mankind, Adam being the first, but then God looked down on His perfect creation and it was crap. And He said, I'm sick of this and I'm going to wipe everybody off the face of the earth except for one man that still follows me. Except for one man that still holds what I say and who I am. He holds me dear, and I'm going to make him, I'm going to save him and his family, and I'm going to do it in the most unconventional way possible. I'm going to tell him to big a build, build a big boat. How does that for Texas for you? See, it's not just you, Stacy. I'm going to tell you to build a big boat. In Genesis 6, 9, the Bible says this, Noah was a righteous man, 
the only blameless person living on earth at the time, and he walked in close fellowship with God. How did he do that? How can we mirror the lesson from Noah? How can we be like him? How can God look down on us and say, you are doing what I want you to do? It's not a set of lists of do's and don'ts of, well, you know, Noah went to church every Sunday. He helped with the raffle club and with the ice cream social. It had nothing to do with that. Let's look and see how God found favor in Noah. So what did Noah do to make him a man? It's really simple. He listened to God and did everything God told him to. Think about that. That is why God chose him, one man out of the entire earth, because Noah would listen to God and do what he told him to do. How do we know that? Because in Genesis 6.22, the Bible says this, So Noah did everything exactly as God commanded him. That's what God wants us to do. He wants us to listen to Him, but not just listen to Him. He wants us to do what He tells us to do. Now that is going... I doubt that God is going to ask any of you to build a big boat. If He did, don't ask me to help. I'll help on the gathering the animals, okay? Because you put a hammer in my hands, I'm going to get tore up, okay? There's two important lessons that we can learn from Noah. First is listening. To God instead of to people. I want to ask you a question. How many, how many people do you think walked out to Noah? He is building a boat that is one and a half football field in length and four stories tall and they go, Hey Noah, what do you got going on here? I'm building a boat. For what? Well, God's going to destroy the earth because nobody else listens to Him, but if you listen to Him, I'm sure He'll let you on the boat. You're an idiot. So you're supposed to get on this boat with your family and you're going to take some animals with you. He said, no, I'm going to take all the animals. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> You're an idiot. And he walks on. But I wonder how hard it was for Noah to be up there pounding, because I don't think he had a pneumatic stapler, okay? I'm sure that he had to do this by hand, and I don't think he had a Black & Decker table saw to help him, okay? They did this the old-fashioned way. They got up there and pounded on it, and you know Noah was ridiculed. You know that they told him he was an idiot. He was stupid for doing this, blah, blah, blah. But Noah continued to listen to God. What I think is funny now, you know, and I'm not trying to add to or take away from the Bible, but when you read the story of Noah, Noah says, or God said, Noah, I want you to build a big boat. And he lays it out, and Noah says, yes, sir. So he goes and he says, hey, boys, Grab your tools, we're going to build us a boat. But then the next thing that God tells him in the Bible, there might have been other things, I don't know, but the next thing God tells him is, get ready because in seven days the water's coming. Now you think how long it took him to build this boat. How long do you think that it might have happened between God first telling him, build your big boat, and God said, okay, in seven days I'm going to send the rain. That's a long time. How many of us would get discouraged? Sometimes we hear from God, 
I want you to start this ministry. All right. And then you don't hear from God for a long, long time. It's like, well, I guess he changed his mind. I don't got to do that anymore. That's not the way it is. When God tells you something, he expects you to follow it through. He does not want to micromanage you and stand over the top of you. No, not like that. You're supposed to do it like this, not like that. Blah, blah, blah. We need to listen to God and continue to do everything, even if it takes 120 years. The second thing that we can learn from Noah is, do you think it ever crossed his mind? How am I going to get a giraffe here? And I don't want to touch that snake. How are we going to get everything in here? But Noah didn't worry about that because God said, you will take all the animals... God, uh, Noah let God worry about the details. I think too often we hear from God, and then we think, well, I know God wants me to start a cowboy church in Kiowa, Colorado, but how are we going to get people there? What is going to happen when we get up there? Where are we going to have the building? Um, what about chairs? Blah, 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 blah. God says, don't worry about the details. You just do what I told you to do, cowboy. He's going to do the same for you. He's probably already talking to you about something. If God is telling you to do something, I expect you to listen, and then I expect you to follow through with what God is telling you to do. Don't worry about the details. Let God provide. Leave room for God to reveal His majesty. When God tells you to do something, do it. What happens when you combine listening to God and doing what He says? That is called obeying. And that is just what the next man that we're going to talk about was the best at. There was a man named Abraham. You might know Abraham as the father of all, the, of all of God's chosen people. God made a covenant with Abraham and said, I will make your descendants more numerous than the stars in the sky and the sands on the earth. But Abraham had a part to play in that. God told him to pack his things and move from where he was. He was a very successful rancher. He was a very successful rancher. And God told him, I want you to uproot from over here, and I want you to go over here. And what did Abraham say? All right. So he gathers up. Now, Abraham doesn't have any kids at this time, so I wonder if it ever crossed his mind. My wife can't have kids, and I'm, God's going to make the descendants, my descendants, uh, numerous, and they're going to be God's chosen people. <laughs> this is going to be a good one. So he strikes out with his nephew Lot. And they strike out for, for the land that God chose for them. He had no kids because his wife couldn't have them. He was 75 and took his nephew Lot with him. And how could he be a father of the entire nation without having one kid? But Abraham obeyed nonetheless. Abraham was a master at obeying God. If moving doesn't seem like that big of a deal, look, folks... <laughs> oh, Lord, help me with what I'm fixing to say. If you don't think that's a big deal, let's look at Genesis... Uh, I don't even have it wrote down. Then God said to Abraham, your responsibility is to obey the terms of the covenant. A covenant is an agreement between God. God said, I'm going to do this for you. This is what I expect out of you. It is your responsibility to obey the terms of the covenant. And you and all your descendants have this continual responsibility. This is the covenant that you and your descendants must keep. He said that twice. He repeated himself. 
each male among you must be circumcised. In verse 23, it says, On that very day Abraham took his son Ishmael and every male in his household, including those born there and those he had bought, then he circumcised them just as God had told him. Abraham was 90 years old. You want to talk about obeying God, and I am not trying to be crude, but let's just cut to the chase. I wonder if Abraham said something like, uh, well, yeah, uh, what can I get for an earlobe? I mean, we're talking about a pretty strange deal here, folks. And, and, you know, and I'm not, like I said, I'm not trying to be crude, but what if God asked you to do that? at 90 years old. Wouldn't you have gone, mmm, it. <laughs> Honey, come here, i got to talk to you about something. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I, I mean, this is amazing, and, and we can just read that, and, oh, that was so holy of Abraham. I mean, I'm sure Abraham went, Dah! okay, let's do this. <laughs> this is taking obedience to a Whole new level, folks. But that's what Abraham did. If God told him to do it, he did it. If that is not enough for you, he had Ishmael with a servant. And then God allowed Sarah to conceive a child, and his name was Isaac. Abraham had waited 90-something, I don't even remember how old he was. He was an old man. He's like Eric's age. Not really, Eric. I'm joking. I'm joking. Not really. And he tells him, he says, I'm going to give you a son. Abraham loved this son, and one day God showed up and he said, Abraham, I want you to take Isaac up to this mountain over here and sacrifice him as a burnt offering to me. And you know what Abraham said? Okay. Picture this with me. Your son that you love so dearly, who is pretty good size, he takes him and he says, Dad, where are we going? He says, we're going to go up to this mountain and offer a burnt sacrifice. Grab the wood and the knife and some servants and let's go. So they start going and then he tells the servants, y'all wait here while me and my son go up to the mountain. And in Genesis, Genesis 22 verse 6, the Bible says, So Abraham placed the wood for the burnt offering on Isaac's shoulders. Isaac had to carry the own, his own wood that he would be burned on while he himself carried the knife and the fire. As the two of them walked together, Isaac turned to Abraham and said, Father, imagine your son, your child looking at you and saying this, Father, yes, my son, we have the fire and the wood, the boy said. But where is the sheep for the burnt offering? And Abraham answered, God will provide a sheep for the burnt offering, my son. And they both walked on together. The story goes on that Abraham gets his son. You know Isaac knows what's going on when he lays him on the wood and pulls out the knife. He is willing to obey God no matter what. And right before he kills his son, God says, do not harm the boy. And all of a sudden, there's a sheep there to offer it. Abraham obeyed God. 
God wants us to listen to Him and do what He says to do. Abraham was chosen by God because God knew that Abraham would obey no matter what. When you combine listening like Noah did with obedience of Abraham, and that's what our next man had a ton of. When you put listening and obedience together, the result of that is faith. Be sure and tune in next week for the conclusion to As Long As There's One Man. We'll be looking at our last two characters, O'David and Job. See you then. Glad you took a ride with us today. If you liked today's service and heard God speaking to you, I'd like for you to go to our website and check out the new book, Simplified Cowboy Version Gospel of Matthew. If you've ever wanted to read your Bible but found it difficult to understand, then this book is for you. Just go to SaveTheCowboy.com and click on General Store. You'll find tons of stuff there to help you in your ride with Christ. You can also partner up with us by following the online giving link. All our monthly supporters get an audio CD or DVD every month in the mail as our way of saying thank you. We don't care about the amount. Look at what Jesus did with a couple of biscuits and some fish. He can do the same with your helping hand. I know you couldn't help but notice all the great music playing in the background. You need to stop what you're doing right now and go by BarryWardMusic.com and check out his new album, West of Dodge. This program wouldn't have been possible without these fine folks. Tumbleweed Hay and Hauling, 303-324-8217. WesternLLC.net. Look East Realty, 303-644-4444. Double H Heating and Air, 303-669-8911. Integrity Auto Repair, 303-621-2845. And Comanche Creek Enterprises, 303-619-7030. Please support businesses that aren't afraid to show their faith. Call them today or go by SaveTheCowboy.com and click on Sponsors for more information.